For those of you that weren't with us last week, we kicked off a series last week on the birth of Christ, and we're paralleling the birth of Christ with the birth of our church. And so uh, we're going to be simultaneously talking about Jesus' birth, the month of December, and we're also going to be talking about the birth of our church, and we're going to have video clips um, this month showing how we started, where we began, and looking back on it, you know, maybe making more sense than we knew going into it, um, but uh, it's just been a, it's been a great time, even doing the video clips, and uh, um, going back to those places, standing in those places where God first spoke to us, um, and so I'm hoping that you're going to glean an awful lot in this series. I always love Christmas. I love Christmas series, and I just really believe that God deposited it in my heart to not only share in the birth of Christ, but the birth of our church, so simultaneously doing a vision message and a Christmas message, so I was a little ambitious this year. Luke chapter 2, look at verse 1. It says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Father in heaven, thank you that whatever you birth, Father, whatever you give vision for, you give provision for. It always, it it isn't like we, we would want it to be, but it's as you would have it. And Father, thank you that you, as the greatest father a human being could ever know, always knows best. And so we trust you with our lives, Father God. And so, Father, I ask that you would wrap us snugly tonight in truth, that you would reveal your heart for each and every life in this place, and that the birth of Christ would take on greater meaning as we look at why our church exists, how you caused it to exist. Father God, spark a fire on the inside of us. It gives us such a passion for others to know you so that you can be birthed in hearts as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. God chose the city for Jesus' birth, and he also chose the place for Jesus' birth. It was humble yet beautiful and Bethlehem means house of bread. So isn't it amazing that the bread of life was born in a city called the house of bread? I also think it's significant, and I've mentioned this in past Christmas series, and I don't know if you know it, but traditionally, um, you know, there's so many traditions that we have that aren't accurate. We're told there were three kings. They weren't really kings. They were more like wise men. Um, We were told that Jesus was born in a in a stable because there was no room at the inn. Well, um, more accurately, um, Jesus um, was born in Joseph's family's, uh, what would be the equivalent today of, of a garage. Let me explain before you think that that sounds crazy. 
they all had to go back to their ancestral towns. So Joseph goes back um, to his family and how rude they would be if they wouldn't have taken he and his wife in. I mean, what family would do that? They'd travel all that distance. In fact, to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, you would have been traveling up because Bethlehem was uh, seated higher in elevation than Nazareth was. So can you imagine um, pregnant Mary, um, probably a teenager, um, traveling all of that distance with Joseph, and then they arrive at Joseph's family's home, and they tell them, you know, no, um, you're going to have to go to the stable, or you're going to have to go to the inn. So let me tell you what is believed to be true here, and you can study it out for yourself. Authors like Adam Hamilton have done a lot of research, um, but um, with, uh, when homes were built, um, they would have a, uh, what would be like a garage, but how many of you know they didn't have cars back then? They had animals back then. And those garages were either built on the side or they were built under. And so Joseph comes to his, family's, uh, to his family and um, they tell him that you can't give birth to the baby in the house. Why would they not allow them in the house if it was his family? Because you have to understand Jewish ceremonial law. Everything was about being clean and unclean. And if a woman had a flow of blood and anyone touched her, they would be unclean for a period of days. And so they said, look, we're not going to make the whole family unclean because how many of you know all of Joseph's brothers and sisters are coming back home too? We're not going to kick the whole family into the garage. Um, but hey, there's hay in there. Um, there's a, you know, it's warm in there, Joseph, why don't you and Mary stay there? Because when she gives birth, everybody will not be unclean because of the flow of blood that takes place in childbirth. And I've been in Israel, and I've been to the church of the nativity. You go down to get to that silver star on the floor that is marked, and nobody really disputes that it's the place of Jesus's birth because it has been so recognized over the years, so much so that there is a spot, it's a, it's a spot, it's a silver star, you get on your hands and knees and you touch it and you wait like you would for a ride in Cedar Point in July to do that. You, you keep walking down and down, all for this climactic moment where you get on your knees and you touch this spot and I'm thinking, is this it? This must be it. And, uh, and if you realize anything, you realize that you are going down. And so that would be consistent with the fact that that garage area or that addition to the home would have been under. Um, so Joseph wasn't turned away by his family. They did the best that they possibly could given the circumstances. And they gave him the, the, the only available space that they had giving their ceremonial laws and their customs. Um, and so... Just as God chose the city of Bethlehem for Jesus' birth, you know, for a number of reasons to, fill, to fulfill prophecy and all of that, God chose Ionia as the city to birth, restore church. And just as he can choose a city, he can, he can choose a home. He can choose a home. And God chose the home that we began in. It was humble. It was historic. It was beautiful. And it was in the process of being restored. It was in the process of being restored. And I believe that God was sending a message to us from the very beginning of what we were called to be and what we were called to do um, by, the, by the very beginning. Um, and so we've got 
a clip we want to show you, and uh, so check this out. In May of 1997, we met with 15 people in the Heartland Wing of the Ionia High School that wanted to start a church. And it was there that we realized we didn't have a place to start. And Rick and Kristen Johnson um, said that we could use their home here, 911 West Main. And so we began in this historic home. And what's amazing about this whole thing is that the restoration wasn't complete, that they were in the process of restoring it. They were in the process of restoring the kitchen and restoring the house. And so here we began. We went from the, the, the initial meeting in May to beginning in June, and it was Pastor David Christian and Elder Rod Kurgis and I, and we traded teaching responsibilities here with Steve uh, Richards leading us in worship with just an acoustic guitar. Uh, we uh, grew to about 30 people on a consistent basis. And the crazy thing was that after we, uh, after we left, Kristen Johnson said that she missed having the church in her house. Kristen would take the kids in the backyard behind the house and she would do something with them. And uh, we were meeting here and that's how we started here at 911 West Main. of the Ionia High School with a vehicle that was really, really loud and is going to come this way any minute right now. See, you wouldn't want to be you. Bible studies in this house on 911 West Main. Rick and Kristen Johnson at their word. We took, we took, it's going to be a crazy day. Hope we're ready. Show the bloopers like that. That's just my favorite part, those bloopers. Um, I can remember being in, in Rick and Kristen Johnson's house. I can remember one day he, uh, he said to me, he goes, come here. And I go, what? And he brings me to the back wall, and I walk over to the back wall, and he had cut a door in the back wall. And he goes, Kristen doesn't know yet but I'm putting a back deck on and I've just cut the door. I go, oh, you're committed now. And, uh, and so um, they were so in the middle of restoration and it literally was a historic home. And I, I didn't you know, immediately put all the pieces together. You, you, you don't think about every step of the way being an indicator of you know, the call of God that's on your life. You, you don't think about that. You don't think about the fact that we were gonna begin in, a historic home that was in the process of restoration. I had, I had no idea. Um, as, a, as a young pastor, you know, two little boys, we thought that we're going to come to the area and we're going to build a brand new facility. I didn't know that God was going to call us to downtown Ionia on Main Street and that we were going to buy one building and restore it and buy another building and restore it and, and then, you know, level three buildings. And I, I had no idea that God was going to do all of that. I, looking back, can see how God was giving us clues all along the way that this isn't going to be your traditional church startup kind of dealio. That uh, while my buddies were walking into buildings, you know, that other churches owned and everything, you know, we're beginning in a house. I'm thinking, well, 
you know, what the heck? You know, we're beginning in a, in a house and it was, you know, usually older homes are all chopped up and cut up. Rick and Kristen Johnson's house wasn't, you know, it, it, was, it was big, it was spacious, had these great big huge pocket doors. And if you, clo- if you open the pocket doors, you could kind of stand and you could be seen in like kind of three areas. And so there was a, you know, it was a pretty large area. I mean, we could fit 30 to, to 50 people in there. I can't imagine... I'm trying to remember how many we had at the time. Probably, we were probably over 30 um, in there. And I thought, man, I got to get out of their house. We need to get out of their home. We can't stay here forever. This isn't cool. And uh, so um, we began looking for places. And we ended up at the Watt Auditorium, the middle school Watt Auditorium. And uh, I remember Kristen, I mentioned it. She said, you know, Pastor John, I miss having the church in our house. I go, Kristen, are you kidding me? I said, you know, she had that sweet voice, if you know Kristen. Pastor John, I miss having the church. And I said, Kristen, I couldn't wait to get the church out of your house. Are you kidding me? I thought I was driving you crazy. She'd take all the kids in the backyard. She'd teach them a lesson. And it was, it was just Kristen's heart. If you knew Kristen Johnson, she'd be doing summer, you know, kids' Bible programs. Kids were getting saved at her house Every summer, it was just who she was. And so she'd take all the kids in the backyard. They'd get eaten alive by mosquitoes. And then, you know, we would meet. And uh, I even had guest speakers, you know, come to the house. I had Johnny Varekin come and preach there at the house. And uh, back then, there was no place to take a guest speaker after, you know, a, a night service. You know, Big Boy was the only place that was open. So I'm taking Johnny Varekin, you know, this missionary in Mexico doing his great big huge work. I'm taking him to Big Boy. Um, it was just, it was the way that it was. It was the way that it was. And what we did, the three of us started, um, Pastor David Christian uh, on staff at the Granville Res for 25 years, Elder Rod um, Kyrgyz and I, uh, both of those guys were from the area. David graduated from Ionia High School back when it was the middle school. Um, Rod Kyrgyz's family is from this area. Rod Kyrgyz's brother, Mike Kyrgyz, has been an insurance agent in the area for years. Uh, Rhett was just here, I think, last week or the week before and caught a service. Um, in fact, I think Mike Kyrgyz was our first insurance agent as a, as a church. And what the three of us would do is we would trade teaching responsibilities and we would just rotate. You know, John, you're up this week. You know, David, you're up to Roger. You're up this week. And we just traded. And our strategy was quite simple. We just believed that God would single out the individual that was supposed to pastor the church. And all three of us were willing. And I believed that God had spoken very loudly to my heart already. And I was the one that set up the meeting with those 15 people in the Heartlands Wing. I was the, you know, the one that, you know, said, you know, you know where are we going to meet? And Rick and Kristen Johnson said, we can meet at our house. It's big. And uh, I said, okay, you know, so this is how we started. Never really questioning, you know, why would you have us meet in, in a home? Isn't there any place that we can meet? It was just the first door that opened, so we walked through it. And I think sometimes you miss an awful lot if you think that that first door is, you know, I just don't see this. I just don't. If it's the only door that's open, then walk through it. And you, if you never walk through the open door, you have no idea what's on the other side of it. And I think sometimes our intellect and our analysis gets in the way of what God wants to do. And we fail to realize in the midst of all the intellect and all of the analysis that it's God's anatomy, it's his body. And he'll lead it. And he'll direct it. I mean, wouldn't that have been crazy if Joseph and Mary would have said, Bethlehem. I'm not, what's in Bethlehem? I'm not going to Bethlehem. 
Or what if Joseph would have said, Mary, she's from Nazareth. Nazareth? I mean, study Nazareth. Not some incredible place. I mean, pretty, pretty small. I, they believed that Mary's childhood home was cut out into like a hillside. It was like a, like a cave, kind of. Be like the equivalent of a, of a cave. Uh, you know, not some huge. Wouldn't it have been amazing if Joseph would have said, man, I don't want anything to do with Mary. Or if Joseph and Mary would have said, we're not going to go to Bethlehem. We're not leaving Nazareth and going to Bethlehem. And it's amazing how God will kind of force your hand. Well, you have to. There's a census. And everybody needs to return to their childhood home, their ancestral home. Isn't it amazing how God will kind of make it obvious? He'll make it obvious against all reason, against how you think it might work out. I've, I've never had God ask me, John, what do you think? In fact, I feel like God's always trying to give me his thoughts, shove mine out so that he can give me his. And I think sometimes we're so full of our own thoughts that we can't receive what God's got for us, and we get in the way, and we muddy the water. God's trying to lead us, and we're trying to figure him out. God never asked me to figure him out. He asked me to follow him. And so that's why we are where we are. That's why we're doing what we're doing, because we chose to follow God. He spoke, and he spoke loudly, and I'm so grateful that he did. And so we came, and the only place that we could begin meeting at was somebody's home. Okay. And I didn't, I hadn't even seen the house before, and I walk in for the first time, and I'm thinking, it is like, it's like in the middle of, of renovation. I mean, if I remember right, there were chunks of linoleum that were even torn up, and I mean, the, the kitchen was, you know, I think like near original, and Rick was just chipping away at finishing the home. And he finished the upstairs area first, if I remember right, but we weren't meeting upstairs. We were meeting downstairs in the main floor, and so it's the place that got the last bit of attention. But it was beautiful, though. I mean, it was humble, and it was historic. And it was just, it was just amazing to think that oh, we're starting a church. This is crazy. We're, we're, it never dawned on us that we're coming to Ionia and bringing our whole family, selling our house, and we're starting in a home. I didn't have time to be scared. I was too busy being obedient. And I think sometimes when you pull back from what God is asking you to do and you think too much, you stop taking steps. Man, what does he ask you to do? Just do it. Quit trying to figure it out. And if we would be more obedient, then we would be analytical. If we would be more obedient, then, then we would be trying to figure things out. I think that you would find blessings. Because sometimes, to be honest, you're smarter than God. And you know better than God. And he must not know who he's asking and what he's asking. You see, I don't think so. I think he knows exactly who he's asking. And I think he knows exactly what he's asking. And I think he knows that you're more than capable, not apart from him and only with him. And so it causes you to be more dependent on him. And so you step into the waters. Might be a little chilly at first. People might be making light of you at first. So what? I thought that this was a journey with God. And if it is a journey with God, then how are you able to figure so much out? I thought that there should be something supernatural about this. I thought there should be something about faith in this. 
I was on staff at a church where my pastor would get up in the pulpit and he would say, believe God for something. Always be believing God for something. Believe, trust God for, for something. He would do crazy stuff. Like, if you don't have any money to give in the offering, put a stick and gum in there and be- believe God for a whole pack. Put a button in there and believe God for a shirt. Believe him for something. So you should have seen the offerings that we would get at that church. You know, it was, I'm not kidding, hilarious, man. There'd be gum, you know, there'd be, you know, stuff in there. Well, Pastor, you know, I don't know if gum and buttons are going to, you know, pay the bills, but this is great. So this is what came in. Um, what are you believing God for? Have you stopped believing God for things? What are you believing him for? Are there no challenges set before you that you need to trust him for? Or have you ceased pressing in to hear from him? I mean, if you've got it all figured out, that's pretty scary. I would get your affairs in order. I would get ready to leave and go home and be with Jesus if you got it all figured out. There should be struggles if you've got a vibrant relationship with the living God. And there should always be things that you're believing God for if you've got a relationship with the living God. Because there are always places that he's leading you, and you don't have it all figured out. And like I said last week, Ionia, we didn't even know Ionia. All I knew as a kid growing up was seeing the free fare advertised on the TV in Grand Rapids as a kid growing up. Free fare, what's that? Then have a picture of a great big huge Ferris wheel. That's all I knew. I think some of my buddies may have driven to see some of the performers that would come to the free fair, hey, we're going to go to the Ionia free fair and see so-and-so. Man, I know. I'm not, I never went, never came, had no idea what Ionia looked like, had no real idea where it was. I had to look up to even find out where it was. See, is God leading? Is he? Is he? Then what do you care about how it starts? I was just grateful that it did start. I was just grateful that Rick and Kristen Johnson and that Heartland's wing said, we can meet at our house, Kristen's voice. We can meet at our house, Pastor. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, here we go. Oh, my gosh. This gal's got the voice of an angel, and we're meeting. Okay, we can do this. If God can choose a city and a house, he can choose a pastor. And I was chosen, and it was with Pastor David and Rod's blessing. In fact, I'll never forget the conversation you know, we'd get and we'd get together and we'd pray. And they said, John, clearly you're the one that's supposed to take this. And both of those guys were more seasoned. They were more experienced. Um, and so to have their blessing and to have them confirm what I knew God was already speaking to my heart meant, meant everything as a young guy that all I'd ever been is a youth pastor. And so I didn't really know a whole lot about pastoring a church. I just figured that it would come like everything else came. Um, and, uh, and it did. My question for you today as we're looking at this is what has God spoken to your heart about? And I want to offer three things that, that, vision, that vision has. God-given vision, something that God's calling you to. Every God-given vision has a starting point. It has a starting point. I mean like a definitive starting point. What's that starting point? I mean, because it, it has to start. I, I, if God's spoken to you, it, it, it has to start somewhere and at some time. So when did it start? May 1997, we met. 
June 1997, we began to meet as a Bible study. I believe it was on a Thursday night that we met. And then even when we went to the auditorium, we had a first couple, the first couple weeks were Thursday nights, and then on September 14th of 1997, we had our first Sunday service. What's the starting point? You know, that's like somebody saying that they're a Christian, but they, they can't remember when they became a Christian. Well, everybody's got a birthday. You have your natural birth, and then you have your spiritual birth. When did you ask Jesus in your heart? When did you become a Christian? You weren't born one. I wasn't born a Christian. You weren't born a Christian. There was a definitive moment. There was a starting point to your walk with Jesus. Mine was December 31st, 1983, at about 9 o'clock at night. We all have a starting point in every God-given vision. Anything that God does has a starting point. Has a starting point. Secondly, every God-given vision has a starting place. It has a starting place. And ours was just right down the road in Rick and Kristen Johnson's house on West Main. That was our starting place. That's where we began. And how awesome that God did that. So humble yet so beautiful. Every time I drive by that house, I think, holy cow, man. That's where we began. Didn't even take it all in. You're just kind of caught up in what's going on. You're just, you know, man, you're caught up in the fact that, oh my gosh, God's calling me to pastor a church and I was just working on my messages. Just working on my messages. Because I'm, thinking, man, if these people are crazy enough to do this with us, then the least I could do is pray my face off and prepare a solid message for them. Always a starting place. There's always a starting place. There's a point and a place. A point and a place. And then thirdly, every God-given vision has a starting people. Has a starting people. And I'm so grateful for the people that were just crazy enough uh, to do all of this stuff with us. And there's something unique about the people that begins a work with you because they can see what, what others just can't see. They just kind of get it. You know, the people that were coming to that home, and they saw themselves as a church already when we didn't have a church. We were using somebody's house. But they saw themselves as a church already. They could see what others could not see. There's something very unique about a, a people that begin a work. In fact, they're almost like cut for it. They're almost bred for it. All the stuff that we did, we, we, we would begin a house. All I had was a guy with an acoustic guitar, and that was our worship. And the folks loved it. They just loved it. And man, we'd, you know, we'd preach. I'd preach my face off, and we would give people opportunities to come and know the Lord, and we'd pray for people, and I just did everything that I knew how to do and figured if I needed to do something else, that God would put that in my heart too. And we just slowly but surely began to grow. And about 30 people started to consistently come. And some people came and, and I get it. You know, man, I can't, I, 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 I can't do this. I'm not, up, I'm not up for this. And I'm thinking, yeah, and if God wouldn't have called me to it, I wouldn't be either. I totally get it. I don't blame you. We 
we did. I couldn't, I, couldn't have, I couldn't have stood up there on week one and said, hey, this is where we're going to go next. I didn't know where we were going to go next. We were looking, where are we going to go next? I have looked at about every building in the Ionia area. Uh, you name it, from the old Kmart building that would get flooded over by the river over there. Um, we, uh, we, were, we were practically offered that building for peanuts 50,000 square feet, they were giving it to us. And I'll never forget Jeffrey Parker telling me, Pastor John, I just want you to know that this building is in a floodplain. It's in a 100-year floodplain with a 1% chance of flooding every year. And I go, well, you know. He said, wait, with a 1% chance of flooding to the depth of five and a half feet every year. And I said, okay, I don't have faith for that. No wonder why they're trying to throw that building at us. I'd be trying to throw it at us too. And I had structural engineers and crawling all over that place, you know, seeing if it would work. I mean, we walked through every door that we knew of, every door. Every, if it was, I mean, we looked at the, the, the Grand River um, therapy place back when it was racquetball courts. I brought guys in there and said, are these walls load-bearing? Could this be a church? We looked at that building. We looked at everything. We were just grateful for a door. We weren't analyzing the doors because we had so many options. We were just grateful whether it was, hey, we'll open up our house to you, or whether it was the, the water. To, we weren't overanalyzing anything. We were just grateful, okay. And we walk through the door. And it's amazing, each door always leads to a more open space. But you never see the open space if you won't walk through the door. If you're on this side of the door, you never see what's on the other side. I mean, how much can you see standing in front of a doorway? You have to walk through it and, whoa, this is much bigger. I didn't realize standing over there. And the people that never walk through the doors never see. And I think God would have it that way. Because this is a faith walk. It's a walk. And God will always lead you to walk through doors so that you can see what you could never see from this side of the room. You can only see if you're going to walk through the door. And I think that that's part of the journey. Here's a door. Will you walk through it? Oh, you got it all figured out? Well, I guess you don't need me. And then we get to these places where we're dry and we're wondering what's going on. And God's saying, here's a door. Why don't you just walk through it? Go on. And that's all we did. And I'm so grateful that I'm not overly analytical. I'm just glad that I'm not. Because I'm sure that I would have been saying the least, is this crazy or what? We lost our minds. What the heck is going on? Yes, I know that he spoke, but you got to admit this is nuts. This is a little crazy. We got two little boys. We don't know if this is going to work out. Come on. This is, we didn't have those conversations. We really did not have those conversations. Because God spoke so loud. And so what we were doing is the same thing that Peter did when he got out of the boat and he was walking on the water. He was literally walking on God's word, come. So that's all we did. So we came. We came to Ionia. Our boys were about three and one. Oh, man, I'm glad. I'm, I, I believe that I am literally standing on God's word right now. I'm standing. I'm looking at God's word. And that's what your faith walk is. Go ahead and try to figure it out. Honest, you know, good luck with that. Or get a word from God 
and then just simply do what he asks you to do and don't get overly, overly analytical about it. And don't worry, there'll be a starting point, there'll be a starting place, there'll be a starting people. And when it's God, people get attracted to it. And they come and they start rallying around it. God never, never said, John, I want you to sit down, I want you to think about this for a while. It was always, John, would you do this? I want you to come, come. And so we did. Our church began on a word from the Lord. Very humble um, beginnings. I'm so glad God does it like that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad he did it like that for us. I don't think that I would have been mature enough to handle anything that blew up right away. I needed to grow. I need to grow with the church. And I think we miss it sometimes when we think we've, we've, we're, we're further along than when we really are and God kind of reveals where we really are and says, I'm gonna grow you with the church. And today I still feel like I'm growing. I'm encouraging you to grow with me. I don't have everything all figured out. I'm just in pursuit of a relationship with God. In fact, we were just praying before the service, praying that we would all stay childlike in our faith. I don't ever want, you know, God's presence to, to cease to be amazing and, and, and wonderful. I don't ever want prayer to be some routine that I, that I, that I go through. I, I don't ever want to walk through the doors of this church and not be excited because I am going to be in the presence of God. I'm going to sense his presence and he can do whatever he wants in any given time. I don't ever want to lose that. any wisdom for anybody today, I would say simply do what God asks and don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Think about all of the people that never made it to see the parting of the Red Sea under Moses' leadership. People that never made it to see the Jordan River parted under Joshua's leadership. All the people that never made it. It's not easy, but it is wonderful. It's not easy, but it is amazing. I don't want anything that I can figure out in the natural. I think Jimmy Evans puts it best. He says it something like this. I don't know if I've ever figured any, everything out about God, but I don't want a God so small that I could figure him out. Are you still full of wonder? I want to be like a, like a five-year-old at Christmas concerning God. Can't wait. Can't wait. His presence can't wait. His word still coming alive to me. His presence is still wonderful to me. I'm not sitting back. I'm asking him to lead me, to show me. I'm not sitting back as if God's some form of entertainment for me where nothing's asked of me and I expect everything of God. God, what would you have me to do? You've done everything that you ever need to do. What would you have me to do? I dare you, if your walk with the Lord has gotten stale or it's become routine, maybe religious, begin to ask God, God, what would you have me to do? 
some freaky prayers right there. But he's a living God. He's a God that communicates with his people. I'm so grateful for that house on Main Street. How cool is that? Who would have thought that we would begin in a house on Main Street and we would purchase buildings on Main Street? Now five buildings in. Crazy. 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 I love that God's crazy. And I love that he uses crazy people. I agree with Dr. Chan. I believe it is a crazy love. But that's what's so thrilling about it. So spontaneous, so wonderful, so healing, so life-changing, so powerful is the love of God.